Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Screen Strong Families podcast, bringing you the best solutions for parents who are serious about eliminating screen conflicts in their home. This is Melanie Hempy, and welcome, everyone. If you are new, we are so glad that you found us. And for everybody else, welcome back. Years ago, when I discovered that my son had a gaming dependency problem, most of y'all know about our oldest son and the struggles that he had um, actually dropping out of college because of his gaming um, habits that he had started in high school. But a good friend of mine asked me if I had ever read the book called PlayStation Nation. And I remember this so clearly. It was one of those moments when you remember where you were, where you were standing, you know, what you were wearing. <laughs> it was one of those moments when, when my friend Amy called and she said, have you heard of this book? And I thought, oh my gosh, that sounds like that might really be the answer. So I immediately ordered the book and I can honestly say it saved my life during this part of my life where it was probably the most lonely time I had ever experienced. And that book really became my best friend. I took it everywhere I went. I had a copy in my purse at all times. I gave copies to all my neighbors. I was that obnoxious neighbor who said, you have to read this. And I gave copies to teachers at school. I remember one time I ordered eight copies and I um, hand delivered them to all the different teachers, to the principal, to the headmaster. And guys, I even made people listen to passages uh, that I would read to them out loud when I was on airplanes. I mean, this was, you know, <laughs> I was really hooked on this book. And the reason why I was still, I mean, the reason why I was hooked on it was because it was the first thing I had ever read from another mom. And I still believe that the best parenting advice that, that you can never get is from parents and moms and dads that have been through what you're struggling with in your parenting world. I mean, I know there's a lot of doctors out there. I get it. I get there's a lot of professionals, but there's something about talking with a seasoned parent, another parent who can totally relate to what um, you're going through. And that's what this book did for me. So Olivia Bruner is here to join us today. Olivia, welcome. Thank you so much. And I, I, my heart is just full just from hearing you talk um, for the introduction because, you know, when we wrote the book, I knew moms were out there having that same experience. And it's just, it's just amazing. And, and, you know, that we wrote this book came out in 2006, Melanie. Yes. So this has been years ago. Um, and so you think 15 years ago and, you know, everything is clearly just escalated from there. But that is just, that's amazing that you read it on airplanes to people. I love it. Oh, I did. I would read passages and they would just look at me. And I mean, many times they'd be like, oh, wow, we had no idea that yeah. someone could be addicted to a video game. But Olivia has just been that very wise seasoned mom in my life. Now I haven't mm -hmm. known her personally until recently, and I'm so thrilled to connect with her and to have her share her story with y'all. Um, through not only the wonderful, you know, Olivia, when, when you and I looked back over this book and we decided to make it the book of the month, um, there is really nothing in here that is not still timely. I, I mean, I mean the content, so the problem just hasn't changed at all. And, you know, Olivia, it's, there's something about the truth and the facts, right? Yeah. They never yeah. change. No, they don't change. And I think, I think when you know, as a mom and you have that feeling in your gut and really the research is now even just more out there than it was when I wrote the book and just to support this feeling that moms are having like this just can't be good for my kids and so I'm really thrilled about that but that doesn't really make it a whole lot easier to make good decisions because now it's just so much more prevalent in our culture that it's even harder to make decisions that are kind of going against the flow so I'm excited about our talk today. Right. So thank you so much for, um, for being here. And so let's start off by just telling us a little bit about your family, how many kids you have, and then just why, why did you write this book? Right? Sure. Yeah. So it was really a journey for us. We obviously had our journey before you had yours. So by the time you got the book, we had already gone through the journey and wrote the book really didn't ever plan on writing a book about this, but realized after we did the research that there is nothing else out there. 
so we need to write this down. We just felt really compelled and really almost like we would be irresponsible if we didn't get this written down somewhere to help other families and other parents out. But at that time, so we have six children. Our oldest is 30 and our youngest is 10. Um, so we have three boys, 30, 28, 22, and then a, sorry, 30, 28, 24, and then a girl, 22. And then we have adopted two beautiful children, boy and girl, who are 12 and 10. So um, we have quite the range, which is great. And when we wrote this book, our oldest, who is now 30, was 14. Wow. Yeah. So wow. <laughs> it's been a while. Married and has two babies right now. And um, so, yeah, it's it's been a while since we wrote this book. But you're right. As we looked through the book just recently, you and I together, we're like, wow, this is nothing has changed. And it's really been encouraging for me to know that you're on on the bandwagon as far as talking and sharing this with other parents. Yeah, we we just have to get the word out and more and more people need to read this um, because for parents, especially for mom, it, it really touched me in a way that, like I said before, to understand that you're not alone because this is the biggest thing that, um, that moms tell me. They just feel so isolated and it's such a lonely kind of dark, sad place to be, just like any addiction is. But I think the difference um, today is that video game addiction and smartphone addiction and screen addictions, these are not foreign topics anymore. You know, back when you were going through this, oh my goodness, I can't even imagine. I mean, because I was very much alone and even the word gaming addiction wasn't really out there yet. So you even were before me. No, it's true. And when we wrote the book, and the reason we wrote the book is because our oldest was 12, when really we began to see like, okay, I never wanted to have a system. I'll just tell you that from the beginning. Um, my neighbor and I, we would talk about it and we'd say, oh, do you like that? And we would go, no, it doesn't, I'm not really, we don't really like what it does to kids when we see it. So we're never going to get one. So those were the famous last words, you know, we're never going to get one. And then honestly, for us, it came into our house when somebody offered to give us their old one for free. No. <laughs> and no, with the hand-me-down thing, you know, it's the worst. It you is. Know. Because then that, that thing of, oh, they're expensive is kind of off the table. And my son's looking at me like, they're going to give it to me for free, mom. Can I just, you know, use it? I pro And then, of course, he had all the promises. I promise I won't play too much. Da, 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 da. So that was kind of how it entered. We say it kind of entered in our, into our house, kind of like a Trojan horse situation where, you know, it was covered up and it looked fine because it was free and we were going to manage it and everything was going to be fine. And um, so he was 12 then. And then we just began to watch him who he was bright, played piano, loved to read, had all these great hobbies that he enjoyed. And basically, when that came into our home, we saw all of that disappear. His, his top number one love became getting on that console and playing video games. So wow. that's really when we said to him and to all our kids, because we had three at that time, um, that and boys, that's the other thing. They were all boys. So we said, OK, you know what? We're going to put this away for a while. And dad and I are going to do some research because mm -hmm. Both of us kind of felt um, that it wasn't great, and but my husband, Kurt, who worked for Focus on the Family, which is a radio show that helps families, um, originally started by Dr. Dobson, um, you know, he would come home and tell me, Olivia, I, I don't know what it is about this. I don't, I don't like it. I don't like what it's doing to them. I don't mm -hmm. like how it's forming them inside. And I would say, oh, I say no to so many things. <laughs> Oh. you know, that age old guilt of, I don't want to have to say no to one more thing, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But then you get to the point and let me read. Okay. Everybody, if you're listening to this, this is, I'm going to read just the first, the first paragraph in the introduction. And, and this was when I read this little, little paragraph, I'm getting ready to read to y'all about Emily. This had me so completely hooked. I think this is when I fell in love with you, Olivia. <laughs> so I'll just say, so it, it starts like this. It says introduction. And then it says, Emily awoke at two in the morning after hearing a noise downstairs, nervously pulling back the blanket. 
she slipped quietly out of her room toward the mysterious sound. Anxiety turned into anger as she approached the faint but distant music of her son's favorite video game, the same game they had been ordered to stop playing hours earlier in order to go to bed. At that moment, Emily couldn't decide whether to scream or cry, whether she was losing her mind or coming to her senses. Emily unplugged the video game system, gathered up the cords and devices, walked onto her second story deck and pitched hundreds of dollars worth of equipment over the railing with a great sense of relief. She listened for the sweet sound of crashing electronics (laughs) below there. She assured herself that would take care of the problem. I loved reading that because every mom in America (laughs) who's dealing with this horrible, horrible gaming addiction in their home. You know, Emily is their hero. This is what we wish we could do. And when I read that, it spoke volumes to me. It, it was just like a, it was soothing. It was like, oh my gosh, someone is feeling my pain. So I will tell you about that story. So when we brought the games into our house, which Kyle was actually eight, because it was a four-year process before we wrote the book. So he would have been eight when it first came in and that free system came in, yeah. So this story would have been come to me around 10 or 11 when we're like, okay, now we're having problems. And I was telling people that we were writing this book. And once I told people I was writing this book, Melanie, like the stories were just being thrown at me. Like people were like, oh, you gotta talk to my neighbor. Oh, you have to talk to my aunt. You have to talk to this person. And I didn't even have to go looking for them. I mean, once people knew I was writing about this, they sent me their stories. And this was one of the first stories that was sent to me. And (laughs) she, I remember her telling me, I interviewed her after she sent me her story. And I remember her telling me, I went down in the middle of the night and my kids thought I was going crazy. Like they're like, mom, don't, 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 don't. What are you doing with it? And they went, ran and woke up their dad. And they're like, dad, mom's having a nervous breakdown. Stop her. She's going to throw our games <laughs> over the, you know, and she said, in my mind, the reason I did that now, she said, I don't recommend anybody do this, do it yeah. this way. But she said, I don't know. I, <laughs> I, have to, I have to think it's a kind of a good idea. But anyway, well, go ahead. And this is why she did it, because she said, I don't necessarily recommend it. I don't know if it's the best way. But for me, it was the only way because I knew if I didn't do it right, then the next day they would convince me not to and they would beg and plead and I would give in because yeah. I would forget about that feeling I had when I saw them at two in the morning playing their next day's time wake, you know, getting out of bed. And so she said that just forced us to make the decision. And, and that's why she did it that way. So, well, okay. And, 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 and what you just said, I, this is so classic when the boys, when she approached them in the middle of the night, they were just playing the allowance for the next day. Yes. Right. So yes. I'm like, Oh my gosh, is, yeah. have I, if I had a nickel for every excuse I had like that from my my son, I, that's why I so related to this. And I, yeah. I, I think kids are just, it just goes to show if you're getting up in the middle of the night to do something, you obviously have a problem. I remember a story of a mom who told me that her eight-year-old would wake her up at 3 a.m., like come into her bedroom and tug on her nightgown, mom, 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 you know, I want to go play my game. Like he would wake up at three. Okay in the middle of the night to come yep. get her. And that's when she was like, Melly, we, we got problems here. Right. I'm like, yeah, if your child is waking up at three to go play, yeah, there's definitely Well, and the beauty of the research that's out there is now we know why. Yes. Now we know why they're waking up. It's not their fault. They're not doing anything wrong. You cannot scold them for waking you up at three in the morning because you gave them a device and a game that keeps their mind active, keeps their mind engaged and keeps their mind addicted all the time to that. They want to finish it. They need to finish it. And so when they wake up at three in the morning to go to the bathroom or whatever, that's the first thing that's on their mind. And really that's what we began to see in Kyle was the first thing on his mind a lot of times every day was, when am I going to get to my video game time? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So explain a little bit more about that whole slippery slope that you talk about in here, about what you're, you're leading up to the point 
because well, I mean, honestly, not every mom is going to sit down and write a book. You did and I did, but the majority of parents out there, you know, they're probably not going to write a book, but they're going to experience these same things. So what were, what is your, what was your house like leading up to that? Good question. Well, I think at first I would say I was managing it. I mean, I, as best I could, you know, trying to manage it saying, okay, now when you have a couple boys, two or three boys that are playing their little 30 minutes a day, and then they're watching each other, it just got stretched, you know, where all of them were down there for an hour and a half, two hours. Yeah. Oh, because day. they're watching each other play. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, so see with my son, we, he, nobody wanted to watch him play. <laughs> But with your three boys, I can't even imagine, Olivia, you had yeah. three boys. So yeah. they would play their allowance and then they would watch yes. their brother play their allowance. Right. And in my mind, I thought, well, it's nice because they're down there doing something together, but they weren't. They were just staring at the screen. You know, um, it wasn't any kind of interaction. They were just watching each other. But for our house, like when I first, when we first decided to say yes, that the gaming system can come in, I had asked a friend of mine who I really respected her and I respected her parenting philosophy and and, you know, what, what do you think about gaming? And she had a son that I really liked. He was a great kid, hardworking. And at first she was like, you know, it's not my favorite, but she said, um, you know, I manage it and it really does help, you know, with motivating him for school and that kind of thing. And that was her first response. And then after a couple of years, when we decided to take it away, I actually called my friend Vicki back and I said, Vicki, I know this sounds silly, but I asked you originally, and I know now Thomas is in college. I think actually by that point he was getting his law degree. You know, how do you feel about it? Do you still feel the same way? And um, she said, I can't believe you're asking me that question. And I said, why? And she said, well, because Thomas just came home from, from school at Christmas and basically sat us down and said, I have a gaming addiction and I can't stop. Wow. And he was so smart that it didn't really kick in for him until law school that I cannot do school and keep up my gaming addiction. Right. Hmm. So that was toward the, the, the middle of what we were starting to see in our home. We were starting to see every day it was being asked for loss of love for other things. Um, definitely that was motivating, but only to get to that. So practice your piano. Okay. I'm going to practice it. Okay. I'm done. Now can I play my game? You know? So I didn't like the fact that the motivation was, yeah, they sure they would get it done, but they didn't seem to have enjoyment in the actual task itself. And it was something that he used to enjoy. Well, plus, yeah. Plus they're not, not only are they just not enjoying the task, like the homework or the reading of the piano, but they're really not doing it well. Right. Exactly. Cause they're just doing it so that they can you know, get to your other thing. And like I said, stories were, were coming to me at that point because we were already thinking about writing. And I would hear stories of parents who said, you know, their kids were just out in the backyard. Just They'd say, you have to go outside for a while. So they would go out there and literally just pace back and forth until they could come in and get their gaming time, you know. So we just began to see all of that. And we that's when we decided, okay, this is too much to handle. My husband especially was the one who said, we're going to look into this because I think there's something more going on than we know. And it really, even back then, which was 15 years ago, it didn't take long to find basic research on video gaming and addiction. Right. It was, it was out there. Yeah. Right. Right. So, so, no, I know because that's, you know, um, when I got your book and I read all this and then I started doing a whole bunch of more uh, you know, of my own research, but but your, your book, I just want to reiterate it again to parents out there, y'all got to get this and read this because it will give you just this core common sense, um, around your gut feelings that, that you have. And so Olivia, talk about, um, the warning sign type of questions. And, and I think you've listed eight of them. Um, let's go through those and just, if, if you're a mom out there or a dad out there, um, these eight questions will really help you determine if, you know, if you've got yeah. a problem. So it's interesting. I agree. And as I reread these the last couple of years or the last couple of weeks, as I reread these, I thought, wow, back then when I put these in the book, I would say that, you know, there was a good chunk that would have answered yes to a lot of these, but it was much, um, much smaller percentage than right now. I feel like almost every family that has a video game system is going to say all of these 
or a lot of them they're going to have to say yes to. So the first one is, does your child play almost every day? And I think, you know, they do. Like every home, their child is playing every day. Um, number two is, does your child play for long periods of time, three to four hours at a time? And at this point, I would even say one, one to four is a long period of time yeah. for an individual child. Yeah. Does your child play for excitement? I think that as the games have gotten better and more storyline and more in depth and more addictive, they're more exciting for their brain, you know? And so I think that's a big one. Does your child get restless and irritable if he can't play is number four. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, is he waiting? Is he wanting that? Is he thinking about it? Is he not in, able to just, you know, enjoy other things? Um, and that's the next one. Does your child sacrifice so social and sporting activities to play? So, you know, no, I don't want to go see my friends. Or if I do see my friends, all I want to do is play video games when they're over. Mm -hmm. um, that's a big one. Uh, number six, does your child play instead of doing homework? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's going to say no to that, right? Yeah. Or they're playing like while they say they're doing their homework or something weird. I mean, I, I tell you, I... Um, I, I love that you say on this one, does your child play instead of doing homework? Cause you're not really talking about grades here. No. And I think a lot of people would say, well, is your child getting bad grades? Well, no, it, it my, my son yeah. got perfect straight A's. I mean, yep. he was just a smart kid and he was able to game. And so if that had been on here, you know, I yep. would have missed it. Well, yeah. and I think that's exactly what happened with Thomas, this young man I told you about in law school is he, he got straight A's. He got a triple major for his undergrad yep. and still was playing hours and hours and hours of video games. So basically doing that and video games and that's it because he was so smart. And we saw the same with our son, Kyle, he's very bright, very smart. And so he could quickly get homework done yeah. um, to get to that um, gaming time. Yeah. Right. So, and then number seven is, does your child try to cut down, but can't. Mm -hmm. So unless you were to say, enough, 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 you know, could he do it on his own? Like, could he say, I don't care about that enough to have to play all the time. Right. Yeah. The way my son says now, when he talks to families, he says that your child really needs a take it or leave it attitude. Yeah. Um, if they don't have a take it or leave it attitude, then you're in trouble. And that's, yeah, yeah that's not having a take it or leave it attitude. No. And I, I don't think there's very many gamers or people, kids that are gaming out there that can have a take it or leave it attitude anymore because of the way the games are designed. And I know we're going to talk about that later, but mm -hmm. it's just, and again, it's not their fault. Right. They, they're not choosing it. It is just the way it is designed grabs them where their brain cannot take it or leave it. It right. has to always have it in front of them. Yeah. Right. And then the last one is, does your child seem to be losing interest in real life activities? So I think that's a kind of a no brainer, you know, do they, do they only want to play that? Is that really the only thing they care about? And they won't go outside and play unless you force them, you know? So did you notice with your son that he was like, that he used to like doing certain things and then he just kind of didn't want to do those things anymore? Yes. Yeah. I noticed that it was, I used to enjoy practicing my piano. I mean, no kid like runs to the piano to practice it, you know, mm -hmm. but once he sat down and started playing, he would really enjoy that time. Mm -hmm. I would always have to say, don't forget to practice your piano. But once he did it, and after that, I, I found him just like rushing through that. And it was just, I got the, oh, I have to practice my piano. And then same thing with outdoor activities. And, um, and of course, it didn't hurt that it didn't help that all his friends were also wanting to do the same thing. Right? So talk, yeah, talk about that a minute, because this is what a lot of people struggle with about how do you handle that with friends? You yeah. Mean? When, yeah. when all your friends are starting to play. And I imagine back then when he was, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, whatever, the games were really becoming a big thing on the scene, you know? Yeah. You know, you said it well, that, um, they, they were just starting back then. So for us to even verbalize what we were thinking, people looked at us like we were crazy, Yes, you know? at least now, and you've doing such a beautiful job at telling people, read this book, read this book, read this book, read this book. You know, yeah. there's so much material out there now. Back then, people just almost look like, how, what are you talking about? Addiction? Come on, it's just Mario jumping around a 
you know, a little screen collecting coins. Mm -hmm. how, how can that be addictive? And um, so, yeah, I think with friends, once we took it away, we really noticed with Kyle, first of all, it took, you know, six months or so. But then with friends, we just really tried to say, listen, if they come to our house, we're going to have all sorts of other fun activities for them to do. Right. Um, you know, we can, we gave them lots of choices of, we bought a lot of new things when we decided. So after about six months, basically, when we, we told them we were going to put it away, after about six months, we said, okay, dad and I have done the research. This is what we found and it's not going to come back. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. that in itself was difficult. But with friends, we just said, you know, if you're at a friend's house, you're welcome to play for half an hour, an hour, you know, a little bit of time. But then you need to be the one that says, let's turn it off and, and go do something else. Mm -hmm. um, so we didn't like completely restrict it, but we, we just said, you know, we, and I would also let the parent know of the house that they were going to, hey, you know, we, we really don't have gaming in our home and we really appreciate it if, you know, that you would limit the gaming time at your house. Right, right. Yeah. Well, let's um, let's talk a little bit more. I, like I just, I love these questions. I love these signs and these kind of symptoms, but let's, let's talk about how games really are made for addiction. Because what you just said a minute ago is, you know, or a few minutes ago, it wasn't, it's not our kids fault like right. and we can't expect them to be more savvy than the neuroscientist that right. are the attention engineers behind the game right, right. so yeah. but why give us an idea of um of how this happens and just understanding the addictive part yeah it's really interesting because of course back then we didn't have social media and any mm -hmm. of that this was the the medium that kids were using the video games and um the addiction really addiction in gaming works just like addiction in any other drug um it's doing the same thing to their brain whether they're whether they're tending to get addicted to it or not they're still having that same process in the brain right right and so that that process that you're talking about is this the reward pathway and yes. there's a dopamine you know dopamine is what's released the chemical is released you know it's a feel-good chemical so when yep. that you do something like eat or you know play video game i guess although i don't think i get dopamine when i look at a video <laughs> game even but when you, yeah, when you so yeah when you get dopamine it it stimulates this reward pathway so um you know, it lays down memories. It says, oh, that thing that you just did, that apple you just ate, that piece of cake you just ate, that was good. Of course, anything that's high in fat and high in sugar, we, we get more dopamine than we get when we eat broccoli. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> and yeah. it triggers, because that's a survival thing, right? It's all about survival. In fact, yeah. that's why dopamine exists, so we can survive. Um, yep. So these, this reward pathway gets triggered and memories are laid down and then then you are you you have these cravings but these these pathways become like deep ruts almost yes. um they're new grooves in your brain new grooves in your mm -hmm. brain this is why addictions follow like the same pathway this is why if you're addicted to one thing it's easier to get addicted to another thing because the pathways are there um yeah let me go through those i'll just go yeah. through those three steps and yeah. then i want to tell you a story about a, a about when I was speaking somewhere, I had a um, radiologist stand up in the middle of my oh. session and just just share with the parents that what I didn't know back then, because of course back then we didn't have imaging of the brain like we do yes. now, yes. Um, really supports all of this. So first of all, you just have, when you have any, and I think you said dopamine is you know made so we can survive, but I also believe it, it's made for our enjoyment, right? Yeah, it's a, sure. It's a, it's something that we get dopamine in healthy activities, which is yes. a good feeling. It, it's made so that we can enjoy our life. God, you know, I believe God made our bodies this way so that yes. we could um, enjoy all the pleasures that he, he's given us. But if you are addicted to something, then you're basically sucking all the pleasure and desire out. And that is what you're drawn to out of habit instead of out of pleasure. Mm -hmm. So what happens first, you're just getting basic feedback from this addiction, whatever it is. So if, whether it's a drug or gaming, it's a feedback telling your brain, this feels really good. And then the second was, okay, now it's a habit because your brain needs it all the time. 
Mm-hmm. So the feedback's coming and now you have this habit of, okay, I have to go back to it because I have to have that feel good all the time. Exactly. Like I said, that it's using up your desire. So it's sucking it out. You're gone. No more. You've got to suck it out. It's taking it away. And then the last one is your brain's like, okay, this is too much work. I'm just going to adapt so that you get this all the time. And that's, what's going to make you happy. And this is your new pleasure. This is your mm-hmm. new and one and only pleasure. You right. know, nothing else is going to compare. It happens with drugs. It happens with pornography. It happens with gaming. And we're giving this to our kids at eight years old. So, you know, or six years old or whatever. And then with this process, it resets the brain to right. a new normal. And this is this is the whole problem. And I always tell people, you know, it's not that the villain in the story, you know, is not the video game. Okay. Our villain is this dopamine addiction reward pathway. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> if we're gonna have a villain and and it's not so much that it's bad for one day or bad for one weekend. They might binge and do something, but when it happens over time, it resets the entire need. In fact, they're making less dopamine yes. because your brain is constantly trying to reach a, a homeostasis point. And so it now you have to even play more and now you have to have more hours and you have to have you know more of the drug in order to get the same good feeling. Right, because once your brain says, okay, forget it, I give in, you win, it's mm-hmm. going to adapt to this is the pleasure that you want all the time, that I want all the time. So you're going to have to just get more and more of that yeah. um, to make you, me happy. And then those other things that, that have been made for us to enjoy and be a part of, they're not going to make me happy anymore because it shuts that off and it builds this groove of this is, this is the one thing because you have fed it that so often, really. Right. And I think and again, it moves from this idea of actually um, even making our kids happy to just this pleasure driven activity. Sure. It's causing this pleasure, but it's not really, they're not really happy. No, mm -mm. it's a virtual pleasure is what it is. Right. It's a pleasure that doesn't satisfy. It's it's a pleasure that it it gives you this um, increasing desire for something that is diminishing in satisfaction. So you're never going to be satisfied by it, but you're always going to want more of it. Right. Which is the definition of an addiction and a craving, you know, that sets in. And so I, I think it's so fascinating that you were able to, um, to speak out so much and really be a screen strong family by (laughs) doing that back then, you know, didn't even know, um, because it was, I know how hard it was for me in the beginning and, um, just to understand all that addiction stuff. And, um, so my, my hat is off to you and for all the speaking so you would go out and speak what was the the guy that you said a minute ago what did he tell you oh so well this was just in uh, this was recently so i still will speak on this um to groups of moms and schools and stuff and um i was at a camp mother son with our youngest and just doing a weekend for mother sons and i was just talking about this whole pathway in the brain and how it works and um (laughs) twice i had moms while I was speaking, just stand up in the middle of my talk and just yell out something at me. And I think it's because like you said, it's this realization that, oh my word. And one of the moms just stood up and said, what about, what about Fortnite? And, and I'm like, what about what? I, I, <laughs> honestly, because we took it away and because we're raising our two younger ones with nothing, I, I didn't really at that point even know what Fortnite was. Yeah. And I said, well, what is that? And you know, all of a sudden all the moms are like, game my kid can't eat they can't sleep they can't do anything and so she said that first and then um the other mom stood up and said well i'm i'm a radiologist and she said you have to know that now they have brain imaging of these kids and all the different stages that they play to show you what the brain looks like and the new grooves basically that we talked about earlier that are being formed in their brain and what's happening and she said it's not just mom's and their gut anymore. It's science wow. is backing it up. Yeah. yeah. It's really amazing for these moms to hear because I'm like, thank you. You know, because you can only say your gut so much, but if someone is like thinking in their head how hard this is going to be to be counterculture in this area in their home, you know, you can't really get past that. But having that medical person stand up and say, listen, I've seen pictures of the brain 
you are changing your children's brain by allowing them to be doing this when they're young, especially. And it makes like these ruts, you know, in their, their, their brain, it makes the, that rut so, um, deep yep. and so paved, you know, yep. so we, we, we're still having our, our gut feeling, but really now we know it's all about the rut. <laughs> so. Exactly. Because, and because their brain is still forming, right? Yes. That's a lot of it. It's not to a place of maturity yet. And for boys that takes 24, 26 years old before they're at that place. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's why older guy, you know, dads in their forties or fifties, they're not going to feel the same, you know, it's not going to do the same thing to their brains. No. Um, the, the types of games, and it's interesting you bring up Fortnite because the types of games that, um, kids are playing today are even very different from what your son played. Yep. And so Fortnite is actually the um, most addictive game out there using, um, or one of the most addictive games, because it uses all of this technology that is now known about a process addiction. Right. And it ties it all into one experience. In fact, it even has the games, um, you know, you're kind of done with your your game event in about 20 minutes because they know that after yeah. 20 minutes, you need to change things up. Wow. And, yeah. And there's so many things about it, but, um, one thing about, um, Fortnite is it's for 13 and above only. And let's talk about the gaming ratings just for a second. There are such a thing, uh, as gaming ratings. Now I didn't know this, back with Adam. I had no clue. I don't know why I didn't have a clue, but I never played video games. So I just thought, okay, what's wrong with Pac-Man? Well, um, what they're playing today is not Pac-Man. In right. fact, even what they were playing, probably even with you, these games were getting more and more, um, you know, uh, violent and the content was getting more adult-like. And so they put ratings on the game. Of course, the, the game ratings were actually made by the game company. Right, exactly. <laughs> so that's like asking Yay. your kid to give themselves their own grade. I mean, I don't yeah. know. It no, just... you're right. It is exactly. Yeah, there was no um there was nobody watching the game company back then and there really isn't anybody no. particularly watching them now. Yeah. No, but they There's even no the game companies say that your kids should be over 13 when they're even yes. playing Fortnite because there's a lot of violence. Fortnite is extremely violent. And people yeah. say to me, I'll never forget, because I get all these phone calls. I get all these um, emails as well. And moms say, well, Fortnite is like the kid version of Call of Duty. I'm like, no, it's you're shooting your best friend. In fact, you have to shoot everyone in order to win the game. So they say, well, it's just a, a lesser version. I'm like, no, it's not. Um, it, it, there's virtual blood. Okay. So somehow virtual blood is supposed to be better. Well, no, the American Academy of Pediatrics says that virtual cartoon violence is the same as regular violence for kids. And they, and, and so for 13, well, I can tell you right now that, you know, everywhere I go, uh, half the audience, their kids are under 13 and they're all playing Fortnite. So if parents would just even listen to the ratings that the game companies are putting out, like many of these mature only games are supposed to be for 17 and above only. Yeah. But we're not even doing that. I mean, I, I was totally guilty of that. I've made more mistakes in this whole thing than probably. Oh yeah, anybody. I did too. I did too. And yeah. why is that, Olivia? Why do we, why do we know the, like a movie rating, like I would never let my kids watch an R-rated movie when they were young like that. Why do we let them play video games? Well, there's two reasons. I think the kids are very convincing. I That's think true. they want to play so badly that they are very convincing. And you said it well when you said it's cartoon, right? Right. So it doesn't feel as bad. Um, and because honestly with movies, we will sit down and watch that with them, but yeah. none of us are going to go watch a hundred hour game with our children, right? right. That right. is something they do without us. And so we are not really made aware sometimes of how violent it, it really is. I mean, I remember one of the researchers when we were studying for the book said, you know, if you want to get somebody in total panic mode immediately, what do you have to do? And I don't know what. And they said, you have to make them think they're going to die. Uh-huh. So in a video game, almost all of them, what are you, what are they afraid of? They're afraid their character is going to die. Yeah. So they're constantly 
in this mode, this reactive mode all the time, which of course keeps their dopamine up, keeps them in high anxiety. Yeah, fight also, flight. Yeah. Yes. Fight or flight. And also teaches them to react, even if it's in a violent way to take care of that. Of course, many of them um, want them to act in a violent way, which is like mm-hmm. you said, to kill everybody on the screen as quickly as possible because it's kill or be killed. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, why, why are we giving our children things where we're teaching you, okay, kill or be killed. Right. That's right. what you're learning in this game. Yeah. And I think if more parents would sit down and play with their kids, they would play for about 30 seconds and say, okay, enough. We're not doing yeah. this anymore. And, and again, I go back to these game ratings and Lieutenant Colonel David Grossman says the same thing. Why yeah. are we allowing our kids to play M rated games, you know, uh, when they're 13? Like, yeah. so if we could at least do that, it would wipe out a lot of the problems. Now that still doesn't get rid of the addiction elements because you can still get addicted to these these video games, but at least that alone. And I'm saying to myself too, why did I let my son play M rated games when he was in middle school? I have no idea. You know, part of it, Olivia, I didn't know. In fact, he probably told me that M stand, you know, meant middle school. I mean, I can, (laughs) I, I mean, I'm just guessing, you know, because I didn't study it. I didn't even think, because I was thinking like you, well, this is just a a cartoon kind of thing and whatnot, but there are game ratings out there. So mom and dad, if you want to have conversation with your kids say, well, look, the game rating says you have to be 13 to play Fortnite. So guess what? You can't play. I mean, you can blame the, the game company on that, but let's, let's, um, Let's wrap up this session here. We're going to talk about the driving force of game addiction. I think this is really interesting. And um, we're going to have two parts to your interview. I appreciate your time so much. Oh, my goodness. It's flying by really fast. Um, But let's talk about, okay, so we have the game ratings, right? We, We have kids that know they shouldn't be playing these games, but they are. And of course they are because they want to, and it's fun and it's addictive and it feels good and all their friends are doing it and it's the cultural thing. But let's talk about the actual things that are going on in the game that make gaming so compelling for boys, especially. Yeah. Yeah. I think that it started out that they were very compelling for boys. And now of course they're designing a lot of games that are very compelling for girls too. But in the beginning, most of them were just super boy oriented, right? And it's still true that more boys do play. I mean, and I know if you're listening and your daughter plays, of course, we're not trying to leave the females out of here, you know, Mm -hmm. but typically girls get a little more uh, obsessed with their phones and social media and boys get a little more obsessed with their video games. Yeah. And you know, you said it, you said it's something interesting, just because I'm so not in the newer game world, you said how the games back when my kids you know, we're, we're younger and we were dealing with it. We're so much more tame than was mm-hmm. out there now. And mm-hmm. as we go through these driving forces, I would say back then, most games only had two or three of them. They were just getting to the point where they were starting to design games. Like I think one of the beginning ones was like EverQuest yeah. where they had every single one of these in it. And they were, we were just beginning to see people like not eat or sleep for days and days because they were playing EverQuest. Right. Um, but there were not very many of those games. They were mostly more of the ones that had two or three or four of these of these driving forces. So let's okay. go through them. So the first one is just beating the game, right. Right? right? Every single game has that, right? just to beat the game. So it's like wanting to win a game of Monopoly, but it's stretched out over you know so much time. So right. I want to beat the game. Right. Second and, one is, oh, go ahead. Well, and I was going to say, what boy do I want to beat the game? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because they were designed for that. If you have a boy, that's, that's how they're made. They're yeah. made to want to win. They're made in whether it's be in sports or whatever it is. Yeah. And that's a good thing. It makes them want to work hard and, and be good at what they do. Yeah. Um, so in the real world, that's a really good thing for a young boy to have. But yeah. in this case, it's not. So because it, it's never fulfilled, it's never truly fulfilled in, in a game because you can never really beat the whole game or that's all right. the games. Yeah. Right. Um, and it takes so long to do it. So then the second one is just basic competition, oh, right? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yes. Yeah. The competition. Like oh. Yep. yep. This it, it, for a smart child um, who's, when I say smart, all children are smart, but when for a child who likes like puzzles and competition and winning and or sports competition, all of that, this is a high driving force for them, you yeah. know? 
you do have your boys who are more creative and less competitive. And so mm-hmm. maybe this, this one of the driving forces wouldn't be as high for them, you know, yeah. but those boys who are just like, I want to, to solve everything and be the, be the best at everything. This is big for them. Well, and not to be confused with the first one, which is beating the game. This one is about beating your best friend and beating your brother and this drive for the competition between the players, which is of course, Fortnite don't want to keep picking on that game, but that's last man standing only, you know, person, whatever wins. I mean, that that's the ultimate in competition. Yeah. And you think about it's totally opposite of what we want. We want our kids to work hard and do the best they can. Mm-hmm. But it's not all about beating their neighbor and their friend and their brother, you know. Right. Uh, matter of fact, most of the time we want them to work together with their neighbors and their friends yeah. and their brothers, you know. Right. And this is just driving that competition all the time with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I want matter of fact, I'll never forget when Kyle came home. <laughs> so I think this might have been really the, t- the tipping point for me. He came home from I let him go to one of those gaming um, comp- contests at at the GameStop. So oh. even hearing those words come out of my mouth, Melanie, <laughs> are you getting nauseated? <laughs> I'm thinking shame on you, Olivia. Why did you ever let that happen? Yeah. I'm sitting here thinking too, what possessed you to let him go play? <laughs> so, no, I get it. I get it. Again, it's before the, before the research, before I knew, you know, he's begging me, please, 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 please. I'll do all my homework. So I'm like, okay. So he goes to this GameStop and plays this competition. And I'll never forget. It was just a couple hours. He comes home and he's got just the, best countenance. He's so happy. And he's just like, mom, I am really good at this. This is my thing. I'm really good at it. And I'll never forget just like my blood just boiling and thinking inside. No, 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 no. You are really good at reading, really good at piano, really good at math, really good at the things that count, not really good at video games. And I don't want you to begin to drift that direction. you know, so when you have a, a competitive kid who's, you know, he's got that drive kind of naturally in him, then this becomes a real, a real driving force for them to want to keep coming back to the game. Yeah, it's the perfect mix. It's yep. the yep. perfect mix. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, and, so and, that goes into the next one, which is mastery. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, again, you have it, it to master something, to do it well, to finish it right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just you want to beat it and you want to beat your friend, but you want to master the actual game itself, Mm -hmm. right? So this would be one of the higher driving forces of the, of the games now where, where there, a lot of them are story driven and you know, you want to, you want to be the master of it or at it. And so it's, it's a big, um, it's a big driving force for, for boys again, that are just, this is how they're designed. If, if right. you think about what a boy is designed to do, every single one of these is in their natural makeup, I believe, you know, so. Well, in the um, driving force in general, in life, you have the three things, autonomy, belonging, and competence. Mm-hmm. And yep. those are the three things that we all need from a job yep. and anywhere we go. So this um, mastery is is like this competence part they feel like he said like kyle came home and he said i found my thing this is gonna be my thing and i cringe when i hear parents tell me oh he's gonna be a game designer my son's gonna be a game designer this is his hobby this is his thing i'm like no this is not his thing this this isn't his thing this is a entertainment hobby back for when you're way older, when you can manage the addictive element. It's like gambling. Gambling yep. cannot be your thing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry. What, <laughs> what the gaming does is it, it just like gambling where it fulfills something in them. It creates this illusion and fulfills this illusion of manhood for a boy who's not actually a man yet. Right. So he doesn't need to feel that yet, but he's feeling that right. for boys and for young men by basic simulating like real world heroic conquest through, through these masculine pursuits without mm-hmm. any risks, without any really hard work involved, right? Without right. any give and take, um, they yeah. get to fulfill this in yeah. them. Yeah. And it's so fake. It's all it's fake. fake. Yeah. yeah. So for this young boy though, for Kyle to say, of course he didn't feel like I'm really good at piano yet because he was still in the learning process. Sure. You know, he was getting good. He was enjoying it. 
but he wasn't a master yet because, but with video games, you can very quickly feel that sense of mastery because, well, I beat the first level. Right. 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 Oh, so yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> and this is where it all begins. <laughs> yeah. And so they, the boys begin to sacrifice real life potential yes. in order just to get that mastery and beating and competition yeah. of the next game. And they don't even know they're doing it. No. So it's, again, not their fault. It's just the way their the brains work, the way they're designed and the way the game is designed. Yeah. And I know right now moms are going, no, don't tell me anymore. Don't tell me more. Well, you got some more here. What What's the next yeah. one after you got beating the game, competition, mastery? What's the next one? The next one is exploration. Just the exploring. Yeah. You know, just like all men and and women, you know, we all like to explore and find new things and, and discover new things. And so this is something that with the gaming, it's not just beating it, it's explore the world. And I mm -hmm. think back then is they, again, when we were dealing with it, they were just coming out with more like world games, like Age of Empire. Um, mm -hmm. And there was World of Warcraft, of course. And yes, but even, even Call like of Duty and all that. Ones, they were like, you build a civilization oh, mm -hmm. or something like that. So it looked really great. Like, oh, you're building a civilization. Yeah. Well, actually, you're not really building a civilization. You're not really doing anything. You're yeah. Playing a game, you know, right. but they were, but the exploration on that is very high drive for, for people because they're like for young boys, especially like, Ooh, this is fun. Look, there's gold over here. Right. right? Oh and, yeah. Yeah. There's this over here and then I can do this and then I can do that. Yeah. And again, just that in itself is not a bad thing. But when right. it's connected with all these other driving forces in a game, it becomes, uh, you know, an addictive thing. Yeah. And when, when you're talking about explora exploration, it reminds me of all of the um, parents that tell me that their kids and mine too. I think Adam told me for years that he wanted to be a game designer. And so when, you're, when your child is playing a game, he's actually... Um, not being creative because a lot of people think, oh, well, he's being creative because look, he's in Minecraft and he's exploring all this and building all this. He's really not being creative at all. What he's doing is he's just being driven by the creativity of another person. Yep. Who, exactly right. you know, they were creative when they built the game. And yep. by the way, if you think your son wants to be a game designer, he has to get off video games and get yeah, in the exactly. real world. And he has to learn how all the stuff works in the real world. Because yes. I know for a fact, you cannot go build it in a virtual world if you don't know how it works in the real world. You yeah, know, so that's a whole sure. nother discussion for another day. So yes. yeah. And there's been the university professor told us when we were writing the book that, you know, the kids that want to game design, they, they don't need, they won't ever learn to game design by playing a game. Right. 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 None of that counts because first of all, their brain is not deformed yet formed yet to be able to even figure out what's happening while they're playing the game. They're just playing the game. Right. That's all they're doing. And right. they're being they're being really driven by, like you said, the game designer and what they want them to do. So mm -hmm. there's no if you really want your child to learn game designing, there's programs that they can get for the computer. Yeah. That actually teach that teach them the Internet and the I mean, the computer skills for that. You right. Know, it's not playing different. more video games. Yeah. Not playing more video games. Nope. So that's a, that's a hard one to swallow. <laughs> yeah, definitely. No, the exploration though is really fun and it keeps them going back because they yeah. keep adding layers. They add new worlds, new mods, new, all, all the yep. new stuff they add to the um, game to make it they, they know the game designers know we have to continue to make this fresh and new so they can keep exploring. Yeah, and what's happened is the game designers know that about each other. They know that the other game designers are using psychology oh, yeah. to get these kids back to it. So if they want to sell their game, they're going to have to up it and say, now we're going to do that too. Yeah. Um, and it's all about the big dollar when it comes to this sure. huge you know, world of gaming. Yeah. 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 So what's the next one? Okay, so the next one. Don't sound depressed. Come I on. know. There's, <laughs> please tell me. There's no more. <laughs> a few more. So just the just the higher score thing. I heard you mention gambling earlier. Yeah. You know, that's a huge one. Just see those numbers go up. See that number get higher and higher um, is a big thing for a boy. Okay. So I knew nothing about this until I started also diving into this research. I'm ashamed to say that I had no idea what a leaderboard was when Adam was playing. And when I was first doing an interview with one of the neuroscientists I was interviewing at the time, um, he started talking about leaderboards and why, and I kept saying, 
what are you saying? Like, what do you mean? What is a leaderboard? I'll just have to show my ignorance here. I didn't know what, what you're even saying. He goes, Melanie, you don't even know what a leaderboard is. <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't. But now I do. And yeah. I can totally get why every boy in the world wants to go, you know, play a video game. Cause you get to post your score yep. and you get to see who's, you know, higher than you are and how you can beat them and yep. all of that. And it's a very, exciting thing to a leaderboard really looks like something you would see in a gambling place like this person won this much money today you know right. number one number two number three and i i remember first learning what that is from laser tag oh um, you know the kids would go play laser tag and they'd come out and there would always be a leaderboard of who won and what their points were yeah and oh the boys would run to that look who's there who's won you know what yeah. are my points what are your points and so i totally get it i mean i get that you know they've they've got it posted so you can see your progress and yes. this is a brilliant move on the game yeah. companies of course you want to see how well you're doing and when it, where else in life do you really get feedback you know yep. immediately and yep. I mean, even when you take your spelling test at school, it takes a week for your teacher to get right. back to you. I mean, you know, so you get this high score thrill and, yeah. oh, that's very addictive. I, yeah, I, it really is. And it's really similar to gambling. It's that same yeah, yeah. feeling of filling up, but it's virtual, you know? Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. um, it's just this feeling of, okay, I have the high numbers. I have the, I'm going to, I'm going to go again because maybe I'll get a higher number. Or I'm going right. to go again because maybe I'll win more money. It's that same um, oh, yeah. dopamine. And it's public high. and everybody sees it. And you're, you're, you just have to go wake up at two o'clock in the middle of the night to go see if you can beat your Yeah, <laughs> Exactly. Even though mom said, that's it. doesn't matter what mom said. said. Yeah, yeah. You're on a mission. <laughs> so oh, matter of fact, uh, Thomas is just a sweet young man who's now, you know, grown completely. I'll never forget him telling me, you know, he was, like I said, he was such a great kid. And I remember asking him just lots of questions. And he said, you know, Miss Brunner, he said, I, I wasn't a kid to disobey my mom, but I did in this arena. Wow. And he said, I just remember feeling so guilty about it. Oh. She, she would leave the house to go run errands. I was homeschooled. And he said, so I would get on the, even though she told me to do my work, I would get on and play games and I would hear her car come up and turn it off really fast. And he said, I just, I just, I didn't lie to her about anything except for this. Wow. This the only thing that I, I couldn't help myself. And I thought, oh, poor guy. Oh, that's so sad. It is. But it's, it just, it's good because, you know, you have, it's good to know that it is not your child trying to deceive you, trying to be conniving behind your back. They literally can't help themselves. Yeah. And so we can help them. That's help right. Themselves. Right. Yeah. Right. So what's the sixth one? Okay, okay. What do we have seven. Okay. Yeah, we have seven. So the sixth one is story driven. Um, you know, just making a story instead of just Mario hopping across the thing, collecting coins with the, you know, exploration. Now there's actually a story. So now you have yeah. characters, you know, who, sure. yeah, exactly. So just like with Harry Potter or C.S. Lewis, Narnia, or all the reasons why we love books. Now they've included that into it. Only it's a story that never never ends. No, it, but it is story driven. And when you have a story behind it, you feel part of it. And let me look here. I've got, um, I'm pulling back this page here. Hang on. Um, that has a quote on it in your book. And it says with reading a book or watching TV, the child observes characters in a story with video games, the child becomes the character and feels an obligation to succeed. So the child becomes the character. It's very different. Um, when you feel that responsibility and it's not only, I, I remember Adam playing a game where he was the healer, I think, and then he was the sharpshooter in one of the games and he was assigned that character and we were eating dinner one night and he just bolted from the dinner table and he said, I got to go. They need yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> they need me. I'm like, what, who, what, what are you talking about? I'm the healer. Yeah. I'm like, you don't know anything about healing anybody. Oh, I'm the healer in the game. Mom, I gotta go. I gotta go. Yeah, and what it was a great example. Yeah, it was that story-driven role play um, driving force that was making him get up off the dinner table. Well, and you think about a harmless, you know, people say, oh, it's just a harmless entertainment. 
but it's not if it's so overbearing that they cannot sit at the dinner table and enjoy family time with you because they feel they have to get back to that. Right. Which if you're part of a story where everybody's depending on you, if you're Frodo and you're about to, you have to take the ring and dump it in the- I get it. (laughs) And they're very loyal. You know, my son was extremely loyal and he still is. And I'm like, oh my gosh, now he's- been loyal yep. to that. Well, what's the final one I'm about to hear? I just don't know if I can handle it. What's the I know. There's only one more. Sorry. It's relationships. So oh, relationships. I, I think I think what's happened is the last thing that they kind of added to this, which when we first started with the gaming world, it was literally Nintendo 64 was the first one that someone gave us. So there was no playing with other people online, right? And building new quote unquote friendships with people that you didn't really ever know. And you probably would never know. Yeah. Um, but now they have added that so that people can feel boys and girls can feel when they're in their home playing games and they're playing with 10 other people that they don't know, but they feel like they know them. So again, it's, it's this virtual friendships, no real friendships. They're just virtual, but they're fulfilling that feeling from a surface level of having a real friend because they're in camaraderie together playing this game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that was new. That didn't really come out until all the internet um, games allowed people to hook up together and play on gaming like that. Yeah. So the only thing that's missing actually uh, is a way for them to hook up an IV to give your kids some calories so they really don't need to leave. <laughs> yes. So I think everything true. else is in here. They've got beating the game, the competition, the mastery, the exploration, the high score, the story, and the relationship. So I guess food is the only thing that's really... Food and maybe sleep. Oh, If they sleep, can sleep while sure. they play. Yeah. Oh, no. And moving, you know, moving. So there, you know, we still, real life still, you know, has them beat here. I, yeah, I would have to say. Sure. <laughs> oh, for sure. Still better things. But, mm-hmm. you know, they, they've definitely been thinking about this. You know, they know what they're doing. And so they're thinking, what else can we put in the game? Yeah. Um, and I just think that relationships was kind of that last thing of, oh, yeah, now that we have the internet, let's let them play against. We'll just people. get everybody to play together and we'll pretend like they're socializing, but they're not really socializing. And it, it's right. so sad even now during the um, quarantine and everything that everybody's yeah. in that they feel like this is the only way they're socializing. And it's very dangerous because we're dropping off all of our communication skills and thinking that somehow playing a video game is being social. And it reminds me of what do they call it when, when your kids are really little, it's that side by side play. Like when, what's the name of, you know, when you're not playing with somebody, but you're playing along side by side, um, that's what you do with toddlers. You know, Mm -hmm. that's how toddlers play. In fact, they don't collaborate with each other that much. And people can argue, well, no, they're really collaborating. I'm like, well, no, they're not. They're doing everything the game is saying to do. They're not making up a, a game or something to do together. Like you would, if you're out in the backyard, um, there is that side by side play, which is yep. very, uh, JV in my opinion. Yeah, it is. It's, it's toddler like is the way to say it. Toddler. It's, them, it's them playing next to each other. And yes, they're all, because the game designers have designed this big thing for them to be in the same, but it's not like, just like putting them all in the backyard together. No, it's, so they put them all in the game together, but they're just doing their side thing, right? you know, themselves. Right. Um, and, it, and again, it gives them this hint of virtual um, fulfillment of, I've got these friends, but right. you don't know their names. You don't know who they are. You've not you don't even know how them. old they are. I mean, if yeah. they're online, you could be playing a 40, 50-year-old man. You don't even know who you're yeah. playing. It's about the game. Like, you're not going to get on with all those people. That's right. Without a game. So right. it's not about the people. It's about the game. Right. Well, Olivia, thank you so much. I am like so into all this um, explanation that you have for everything. You're you're so smart. I'll just say you're just so smart, (laughs) and you're just so seasoned. I mean, you just get it. I could sit here and talk to you for hours, and we we're going to wrap up this session. We're going to bring you back for a part two, where we will be talking about the rest of your story and and yeah, and how you manage to do what we call now our screen strong challenge, right? Where you, you kind of backed it out of your house, you made a decision and, um, oh my gosh, I'm so excited to share that story. And then we're going to talk about the common mistakes that parents make that you outlined in your book. And those are those are priceless um, for parents. Well, and I, I think people need to come back because I'm afraid we're leaving them depressed. 
Okay. I know I would have been, but if they come back and they hear the common mistakes, I also want to share just the positive of what that change in our home did for our children. Yes. And they are on the other side of it. They are 30. They are husbands. They are, they are fathers. And what that difference that made in their and life. And what the difference was in the hope. So before we sign off today, can you leave us with a a, a word of hope for our audience. <laughs> Please say something. <laughs> what well, is your advice? I would just end with the word of hope is that you get to have them in your house for 18 years and you get to help them develop. And with some good choices and some good screen, strong families, you can change that trajectory for them. And you, you're the one that gets to make those decisions. That's the hope. You know, you are not at the mercy of those game designers. You are not at the mercy of what your children who are not adults think. You are you are the one that gets to guide them in that. So um, I, I didn't think I could until we made the changes. And then I want I thought this is not as hard as I thought it would be. Once I got past the initial, if I would have done it from the beginning, it would not have been that difficult at all. Um, which that's the other thing since then I started with my later children doing it from the beginning. It's, it's really not been hard at all. It's not hard you know? at all. No, we just, we fill it with all sorts of other beautiful things. Well, that's very hopeful. And I hope that everyone listening today doesn't leave on a down note here that it we're here to help you, Olivia. Thank you so much for sharing yeah, your wow. wisdom with us and your story. Thank you so much. See you next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We'll definitely see you next time. So I hope that you all enjoyed listening today. Please remember to donate and then subscribe and rate and share this podcast with your friends. Head over to our website to learn more about the Screen Strong Challenge and join our Screen Strong Families Facebook group where we help families just like you navigate their way around the best solutions to get their screen kids back and re-engaged in the real world and with your family. So remember... We've got your back and we are here to help you. Until next time, stand up for our kids, stand out from the crowd and stay strong.